This is The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that started Sunday. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and I'm here with the often imitated but never duplicated mm, Joel Kovacs. That's right. Hello, Joel, how we doing? How, how are we today? Um, we're good, man. We're feeling it's it. It's a good day. It's nice. It's out. a good day. Um, it sounds like you had a, a pretty intense vacation, uh, you know, some mishaps. Well, you know, honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, my mishaps. It was mishaps for some friends that we know that were in Hilton Head at the same time. Uh, okay. A friend of ours got bit by a copperhead snake. And so what, did, did he know it was a, a copperhead? No, he didn't no. even see it. And he and his family lived in Hilton Head during COVID for whatever, at least 12 months throughout those whatever two years when kids weren't in school. And he never even saw a copperhead snake the whole time he was there. And then the his, his backyard where his parents live or whatever, there was a copperhead snake like right by the pool. And he stepped up onto the deck from the grass and just got bit, never even saw it. He got his toe and it went away. Wow. And he was, he was in the hospital for, like, I don't know, a day. And then he was on crutches for the, like, four four days of his vacation. And then him and some friends were working on a grill at one of their houses. And they couldn't get it to turn on. And it exploded. Wow. And he, he was, like, 10 feet away. But his buddy was, like, up close to it. And he got burnt so bad he had to be life-flighted and have emergency skin graft surgery which sounds fun yeah on his like legs and stuff better than be on your face you know yeah That's yeah so that was kind of and then and then and then honestly on the beach that same day there was a person that got caught in a riptide and my wife had to call 911 and oh wow and the like ambulance and like eight beach patrol trucks showed up and they like swam out to get and they, the people made it but it was dangerous because they had to they kind of had to resuscitate him a little bit. His heart rate was super high, and yeah, he you passed just, out. You gotta swim sideways. It's yeah, it was bad. Well, uh, be careful, everybody. On Sunday, you mentioned yeah. summertime is on its way out. Well, it's not because, and I'm actually a stickler on like when summer really ends because yeah. uh, my birthday is September 17th, and so it's technically a summer birthday. Because summer ends September, whatever, 21st. But for school, for yeah, travel. Because like, and that's like our world, right? Because next week, like Kellen, our seventh grader, he starts football and does all that. So Yeah, and it's not, uh, you know, I, I enjoy summer. I enjoy having the kids home. Do you? Yeah. It's just, it's it gets busy. Yeah. School starting, activities. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. I, um... We like a little more structure. Our kids are yeah. involved in stuff and camps and everything, but our kids, I think what it is is that our kids do better with oh, more structure. Sure. Yeah. They just function. They're not as irritable and yeah. That's my, where my gets, kids are still pretty young. So Right, yeah. They can uh yeah. they can do their thing on, yeah. on summer break and it's not too too active. I we're doing this series, what are you wearing? So I wore for those watching on the on the video. I wore this. This is my summer time. It's nice. This is my uniform. Looks looks good. My athleisure. I literally I wear a tank top and these shorts, 
or a pair of shorts like it, like I go home, this is what I wear. Is that what you sleep in? No. No. But you're, you're like a PJ guy? Yeah. But like I I uh it's crazy, man. I, I I only like the summer if I'm wearing something like this because I cannot stand being warm, being hot, going outside, wearing a t-shirt, pants. It just bothers me. So when you have to actually like put on normal clothes, does it does it feel it, weird? It does bother me, man. Yeah. I was I was talking to a guy the other day who was working and he was all dressed up, man. Tie, suspenders, suit, all that. And I was like, are you comfortable? And he was like, yeah. Like he, he was at a job. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have to wear that. He just does that. It's like his style. Yeah. He just enjoys it. He just enjoys it. And I'm like, man, like I do weddings, funerals, even at church. We don't, you know, we don't dress up super formally. And on Sunday, I'm kind of like, man, this feels like, I, I always joke my, well, actually my wife's favorite movie of all time is, which is kind of funny is, um, Major League. Yeah, it's great. Because like growing up, her dad would watch it. So she yeah. watched it. And there's a scene where they go to this really fancy restaurant in Charlie Sheen that you have to wear a tie. You know these places. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he he wears a tie, but he has his sleeves ripped off. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I feel like a banker. <laughs> so that's like my line. Every time I get dressed up, I'm like, I feel like a banker. Even if it's just like business casual, I just feels restricting. I wear this every day. I wear jeans. They got to be the express, like, stretchy. Stretchy, because that's not the way normal, actual actual denim feels. Yeah, and then just like a, you know, v-neck cut. Actual denim, I know that over time it feels better. Like like selvage or whatever denim, real denim, eventually, if you just wear it, wear it, wear it, worn in, breaks and all that stuff. But man, I've never worn real jeans. I have a pair, two pairs of those kind of jeans, and I've never worn them enough to get them that place. And they're just in, insanely uncomfortable. I know. It's rough. Oh, yeah. Just like, man, I have to wear these how long to, before they're comfortable? <laughs> I don't think I can do it. I'll never get there. You need to get someone to wear them for you. Yeah, you that's, know? yes. I, that's I a, should. That's a business idea. That's a, There it is. I'll wear your jeans. Wearyourjeans.com. Are you, uh, you watching any shows? Are you a show watcher? Man, no. No. I not just am not. Like, I... I'm more of a movie guy. Yeah. And in the season of our kids' lives, movies, going to the movie theater plus COVID really slowed down watching movies. Yeah. So I did go see Mission Impossible. Okay. It's good. Love action movies like that. Yeah. My kids wanted to see Transformers and Oppenheimer and Barbie are out. I'm fairly drawn to go see Oppenheimer on the IMAX the way that oh, Christopher yeah, Nolan says sure. you should see it. So I do like movies and when there's like, you know, these uh, highly touted, critically acclaimed movies or whatever that are coming out that have pretty heavy social commentaries, I do enjoy that. I just, I'll get into a show like when I really have some time. Otherwise, I just, I, I can't spend the time watching three shows. I'll, I listen to the radio. Uh, okay. So I I I listen to iHeartRadio with uh, Fox Sports Radio and the the Herd with Colin Cowherd, and then I have um, an app on my phone for premium radio. So I listen to ESPN with no um, commercials. Oh, you got you can't do commercials. Well, in I this just day and age? 
No, I just, um, I, I, I listen to it a lot sometimes when I can't sleep. Yeah. So I'll fall asleep and listen to the radio and just, I like the sports and you keep up and then it's just kind of banter and it puts me to sleep. So that's what I listen to. Yeah. I, I always get into shows real late. So, you know, I watched uh, like Breaking Bad a decade after it me too. came out. Uh, I'm maybe not a decade, but I, I was late to the party. And that was like the first binge. Yeah. I mean, that was right around that, The Wire or whatever. And that, I did I did watch all of that. But yeah, that was crazy good. Um, I did watch uh, The Last of Us as it was you know, being released. That's, I heard that was probably, really good. You haven't watched it yet? No. Oh, that's Mm-mm. what I'm checking out. Mm-mm. No. So uh, we have to take a quick break. Okay. Talk about the sponsor, sponsor of this episode. Seven Minute Abs. Joel, have you ever felt like, you know, getting abs and then maintaining abs is just, is, is too much work, too much time? Of course. Yeah, I had an ab once. You did? Yeah, it, it was, it, you know, takes a lot of, a lot of effort, but uh, that's where seven minute abs come in. I, I, I can imagine. That sounds right. So a seven minute abs, you can get a six pack or even a seven pack. Whoa. Just seven minutes a day. Seven minutes a day? Seven minutes a day. Wow. But you can't cheat it. You can't do six. Yeah. That, that's not a full fat. That's not a full, yeah. So uh, uh, if you use the code, the rest at checkout, you get one minute free. <laughs> you get the results of seven minutes and you only have to do With six. With the code. With that's the code. The, that's yeah. the only way. Yep. Wow. That, that's like, when you say that's like a technology, I'm like, how do they do that? It's a... Uh, it's science. It is, yeah. Marketing, science. So on part two of who are we wearing? Who are you wearing? Who, who am you, I wearing? Who are you who wearing? Are we who wearing? are we wearing? Um, I had this question that came to mind, uh, you know, Sunday. So why do you think it's so easy for people to fall into the idea that happiness or success or wealth is what someone should put their identity into. Mm. You know, you see that a lot. Yeah, I think that um, we aspire to, as humans, to greatness. Um, I think that humans want to advance their lives. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think someone could be ill whatever, and maybe have a problem, or maybe they have a, a level of trauma or something that really stunts that kind of innate reality. So I think that humans want to, you know, a kid wants to learn to ride their bike. You know, I think a, a, a high school kid wants to, you know, go to the college, do the next thing, whatever that is, go to a, whatever they want to, they want to grow. So we kind of naturally want to advance. Yeah, And I think part of the the reality of a broken world where the option for not worshiping God is real. It just means that we put the wrong things at the top of the food chain. We just, we, we want to order our lives based on a reality of hierarchy our ultimate goals, our ultimate fellowship, and whether we're doing it intentionally or not, we kind of do that. It's like, 
you know, someone may be 27 years old, going to the gym at 5 a.m., ripped, eating protein, you know, working the job, making the money, all that stuff, and 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 not really ever articulate the fact that their God is whatever appearance or money or success or the way that they feel. But really, that's what that's what's at the top of their food chain. That's that's their hierarchy in their life. It's the highest thing. It's the, it's the it's the ultimate. And we're designed to we're designed to function with God as our aim. Yeah. And so we just we take him off the throne. We take him off. We take him off the pedestal, and we just put any kind of thing. And and a lot of times we don't. You know, we talked about this before. Happiness, success, those those are good things. They're just bad gods. They're bad things to put up there and make your highest aim. And it seems like those. So are- it's easy to slip into that. It's like, ooh, this is awesome. This must be. So I just think people are like, happiness. That feels good. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it gets it's easy to measure. You know, easier to measure, easier to easy to measure in the sense of. You know, looking looking at your life through a cracked lens, yeah. Because the world says happiness is the goal, so you're just comparing your life to the next person. So your measurement is subjective, but it doesn't feel like it. It's yeah. like it's like I'm more happy than them, or at least I feel happy, and maybe they do too. I don't know. It just it can become so easy to just get lured into the trap of making that your highest aim, and you never even know. And, um, anyway, I, I think it's important, you know, a man's way seem right in their own eyes, but God knows their motives. It's like, if God knows your motives, you want to know God because you want God to tell you your motives so that you can make your motives, the right motives yeah. <laughs> and start walking through life with a different aim that is transcends happiness and success and all that stuff It has to, otherwise you'll, you'll lose, you'll lose. Similar to the the discussion last week um, when you gave advice on getting someone else to kind of show you your uh, your missteps or your weaknesses yeah. or areas of, that you need improvement mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, so you talked about this misnomer um, with salvation and mm-hmm. that it's, it's somewhat uh, common to think of salvation as I get to go to heaven yeah. now that I'm saved. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of thinking um, that it's now that I'm saved through Christ, I have the the ability to image him into the world mm-hmm. from this day going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's somewhat common for people to understand like the first part of that and not really grasp the the, the first rest? part of of um, of getting saved so you can go to heaven? Yeah, it, it's a good question. Um, so. What, what what's happened in the last 2,000 years is people's ultimate understanding of reality, life, and death, and the whole human existence has just gone through multiple different waves of both like popular and somewhat, you know, skewed um, variations. And so... You know, Hebrews and and Jewish people, you know, if you study their reality of what life is all about, it was never about 
ending up somewhere because their their background was about how wonderful this place is and Eden and how God promised them land and a kingdom. And so, you know, Jews always believed in a resurrection. And, you know, throughout Second Temple period, there were some ideas that were introduced that that changed and shifted Jewish some of the Jewish thinkers to believe in more of Greek ideas and Greek idea that was introduced during the Second Temple period, which even manifests some argue in Paul's writing. There are some people that argue that when Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, there I don't think this is true. I think that it's bigger, but that when he says that, he's adopting a Greek way of thinking because the Greeks generally believed that the body was a tomb and that you know it was like a prison yeah and that in death you finally get to escape the prison of this broken body and that's a that's not a that's not a biblical idea it's a greek idea the way that i explain it this is a very like condensed version is you have resurrection theology that Jesus shows up into, and some believe it and some don't. Even like, you know, Mary and Martha at Lazarus's tomb talk about Lazarus being resurrected one day. I know he'll resurrect, they say. So they did believe in the resurrection. And he's like, no, I'm the resurrection, so it's going to happen now. And so then you see Jesus resurrect from the dead, and now all the, all the followers of Jesus, the closest ones, they saw a dead man come to life, and he called himself the king, so they're in. Like, it doesn't matter. You can kill them. They are going to die for what they believe. You know, they're not dying for a theory. They're not dying for something that might be wrong. They're dying for something that they 100% believe is true, and they, they can't say it's not. And most people will never die for something that might be wrong. Yeah. They only die for something that they believe is 100% right. Yeah, well, they got to experience it. They saw it. They saw it resurrected, and so did a lot of people. So... In the early church, you have resurrection for humans and that being the future as the hope. That's the hope. Jesus is the hope. Like the resurrection is coming. Jesus is going to return. And, you know, Jesus said these things that he wrote in John. There's going to be a resurrection. Some, Everyone will resurrect. Some to judgment, some to eternal life. And so there's going to be a resurrection. Well, because it took so long, people started to doubt the resurrection. And I mean, like in first Corinthians, Paul is yeah. talking to people that are doubting that there's a bodily resurrection for humans. And he's saying, no, that, that is the direction of all, of all followers. And that's the direction of humanity is the resurrection. Well, it doesn't happen. So then a hundred years go by. Now people are dead and they're not resurrecting and Jesus hasn't come back. Okay. So now there's 200 years. Now there's 300 years. So what do we make of all these people who are, their bodies are in the ground and, and they're, they're, they're not there, their spirits are somewhere. And there is a belief in the Old Testament that, you know, the spirit sense ends up in Sheol or someplace that is a spirit world. So you have this kind of, well, we know there's spirits still alive there's no bodily resurrection. And then the Greek idea of they're in, they're in the good place. 
So now it's, Paul says, well, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. He probably meant more of like this separate temporary state, but it gets conflated with the Greek idea. And literally for 1500 years, that's what we've believed. That's the end game is you die and you go to heaven. So then, so then, and, and one of the things that I'm, I'm sympathetic towards people that have believed that the gospel is about going to heaven when you die is that when, when Jesus shows up, evil is so obvious in the Roman culture that he shows up into. And the Jews are looking for a literal earthly king and kingdom. Yeah. So when Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is hand, at hand, that's like personal surrender, but that's also like worshiping the appropriate God and not being in the clutches of this Roman evil thing. So when people are like, here, the gospel is simple. The king has come to rescue you from sin and death and evil. It's like, oh, thank God, man, the Romans. It was more like just Romans, not just general evil, which is real, but this manifestation of evil that has changed and ruined their lives. It's destroyed their farmers. It's destroyed their generations. So my point is, is that to, to believe that Jesus and you accept him and he delivers you from that hell that they were living in, yeah. that, that's like an easy thing to go like, well, we need this. You don't need to spend a lot of time explaining to me how bad things are in general with human and longevity, longevity of life and med- medicine and just the human evolution to get to the point where we have what we have now, which is way more comfort and way less, you know, sickness. So you have in that first culture, it's like, this is obvious. We have a king. He's like, that's awesome. That's amazing. So you, you grow and then now, well, there's no resurrection. And then we have a reformation that wants to make sure because the Catholic church comes along and sells indulgences and says, you can buy your way into heaven. So then Martin Luther comes along and says, no, salvation is only by faith. And he has a misunderstanding of faith, kind of. He does believe in works, but he wants to make sure that it's just just no works get you into heaven. And so, so that then turns the whole thing to, at that moment, you have to explain the evil, right? If you're going to tell someone they need Jesus and they don't live in Rome, you got to say, here's your problem. Your problem is you're going to die and your body, your soul's going to go somewhere and it's going to go to the bad place. So that's hell and that's fiery and that's people are there right now. And that we don't have this idea of it all being fixed here because there's been no resurrection. So, okay, it must mean that it, that the end is about there or there. Yeah. And it's all about just trusting, saying something about Jesus so that when you die, he looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus on you. And it's not your works, it's his works. And so now, oh man, I don't want to go to hell. So I have sympathy for people that we're, we're understanding that in order for us to communicate the necessity for the good news, we have to communicate the bad news. But the good news of Jesus is simply just that the king is here and he's offering all of us the life that we were designed to live originally, now and to forever. That's what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about, you just need to believe in me and when your body dies, your soul will go to the good place. He was saying, there's real evil. You know it. 
I'm here. I'm the king you need. That's good news for you. It's just good news. And for for Jews, that is good news. They've been waiting for a king. They've been waiting for a Messiah. They've had false messiahs. Finally, this guy's here. He's turning water into wine. He's raising, you know, kids that are sick and dying and he's changing, you know, helping the blind see. Okay, this is really good news. The kingdom is at hand. And, but he was saying, follow me. And the Sermon on the Mount was, this is for now. This is what people who live in the in the world now have. And heaven was about them living that now. Jesus is bringing heaven to earth, which is the whole story coming back to the way it was originally designed. That's heaven and earth in the beginning and Eden, God and people all together. Jesus is saying, I've brought the beginnings. It started, I'm here, touchdown. So you need to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he, he teaches, hell is not just a place you don't wanna go when you die. Hell is a place that exists now, and it's not that, you know, I did a whole message on this. It's not so much that we get out of hell, it's that we get hell out of here by bringing heaven to earth. And so I just think, dude, 2,000 years, different languages, massive ideas related to what human um, anthropology is, spirit, soul, body, what's where, how. And you get to the place where it's like, I just want to say a prayer and I should be good when I die. Instead of, Jesus never said that. <laughs> he said, follow me and start to bring heaven to earth now. Yeah. And that's what, I've, that's what I've given you. I've given you the ability to have the attitude and the activity of heaven right now. Let's go, bring it. And even though people don't fully understand it, that's what's happened over 2000 years, which is magnificent. Oh yeah. Sure. The church growth. Yeah. It's a total miracle and it's done more good than any movement in the history of the world. So despite the fact that we don't understand it fully, despite the fact that Jesus spoke Aramaic and that the new Testament is written in Greek and old Testament in Hebrew. And, you know, we've translated it however many times and we didn't understand platonic ideas. And those ideas just show up in the atmosphere of the world we live in. And we don't even understand that we're basing massive ideas about what we think and who we are on that. And then we just kind of like waltz through life and we have no idea why. And then we miss the whole point. So that's what the series is about. Don't just float into your 20s and your 30s waiting for what's going to happen. Be intentional. Yeah, it's not hope for the future. It's hope for the now. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. It, it's both. It, it's, it's faith is for now, right? You're putting your faith in Jesus to live and behave a certain way, not just, I trust you, and what you did so that what you do will take me where I can go. It's, I trust you, and I'm going to show you that I trust you by how I live. So faith is now. Hope is knowing that what we're doing now matters because it's leading to somewhere ultimately that's that's what God has fully intended for us. Yeah. 
And the hardest part of the whole thing is to explain to people if Jesus resurrected and the kingdom has started and Jesus is sitting on the throne as a resurrected human in a glorified body, that the kingdom is inaugurated, but it hasn't been fully consummated yet. And we're in that in-between time where the kingdom of God and the church is moving across the globe and simultaneously there's evil powers and stuff and you can still fall into sin and all that. And that it's a very confusing thing because people want it to be like simple, like doesn't that mark and why isn't the resurrection coming? Where's the kingdom and what about now and all that stuff? But the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can bring heaven to earth. It is. That is heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Yeah. The Holy Spirit in our bodies. We're the temple. We have the spirit of the living God. It's heaven and earth. And the temple in the Old Testament was a, a microcosm of Eden. And now you're a microcosm of Eden, Eden. And Eden is heaven and earth. So I digress. That's really good. Yeah. Um, you, you made this point that really stuck out to me. And uh, it's that it doesn't matter if you realize if you're in prison or not, that's where S Satan wants you to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it, it made me think that, like, Satan is doing everything he can to make sure you don't realize that you're in yes. prison. Can you, can you talk on that? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of it is the deception and the temptation. You know, when we look at the temptation of Christ, you know, he uses all these things, power, food, um, is it bread, um, the giving you the kingdom. And I'm, I'm wealth. Is it wealth? Is it wealth? The power, the whole kingdom, you throw yourself down. The, the, um, I live by the word of God. You don't need the bread. And there's another one, but he gets these temptations and, um, those things, bread, it's not, you know, it's not bad. Yeah. Bread is good. You need bread. Like we, Jesus is bread. So like he's the bread of life and we need bread. Right. So what the enemy does is just, again, kind of back to what we were talking about before is he uses all these things that God has put in an appropriate order and he manipulates them and you, and he tries to tempt you and he, he, he calls bread something else. He calls the fruit something else. He lies about it, you know? And so when we're feasting on the good things that the world has to offer and never actually pledging our allegiance in our life to Jesus, then the consumption of those things, literally, figuratively, what they do for our hearts, how they 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 give us a false sense of humanity and being. If we're in that space and we don't realize that God's not our king and that we're just sucked into greed or it can feel so good to have all the money in the world. Yeah. You know? And so, so, but, but it doesn't feel like prison. Well, the lies that he says are oftentimes half truths. No, they're half truths, right? Yeah, right. It's like a good thing, but then that's not exactly right, and that's everywhere. Yeah. So I think that I think that the enemy, you know, I, I quoted Dostoevsky, you know, the famous Ru Russian, you know, writer and, and prisoner, and you know, he spent time in in exile and in prison, and 
um, you know, I think what, what ends up happening is if, if people, and I've read him talking about this, there's a level of like settling in, you know, you ever watch those movies, right? We were talking about movies like where people just make, make themselves at home. It's like, they're, they're like there. That's like their community. There's like a power structure. There's like, when you eat, there's like your friends and you're like in prison to the point where like, you can watch one of those movies. And if they don't ever show shots of people outside or, you know, like a window, or if the storyline doesn't have someone wanting, longing to get out, they're just like, living in i think my i think what was orange is the new black it's like yeah. the whole thing is about someone being there and like that's their life that, that that's their reality yeah that that's living there it is you found your spot and and so imagine if that was what we were all doing and when you're doing the greed thing or you're doing chasing power or you're chasing and you've got the wrong thing in in front of you and you're 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 kind of whatever the word is like you're you're eating the lie you're sipping the lies all the time you're in prison you have no idea you have no clue you're just like but if everyone watching is like you know you have an orange suit on and like you can't walk out that door if you wanted to and out that door it's it's that's like imagine right like imagine being in prison knowing you're in prison and 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 saying I'm going to stay in here. Yeah, like you don't even want to, you know, walk out. You have your life. You have your life. But imagine being in prison, and then finally seeing it as it is. You know, you take the red pill, and that's the other uh, the other example is the Matrix. Yeah, that's it. You're in the Matrix. You're just in a vat. They're feeding you all the signals. Everything seems fine. The steak tastes good. Ignorance is bliss, he says, right? Yeah. To get out of that, those people don't know they're in prison, right? They have no idea. Perfect. I'm, I'm building my kingdom, the robots say. Yeah. I'm feeding off of them. They're, they're, they are feeding me. They're the battery. Yep. So we offer ourselves to a world and, and uh, that's the danger. And so until you, that's why allegiance to Christ is not just about where you go when you die. It's about how what happens on earth is you serve the wrong things. They destroy your life and you die. Yeah. You're not, we were never supposed to die. Sin leads to death. Those behaviors lead to death. So the enemy wants you dead. When you're in Christ, you have a new heart, you have the spirit, and now you have the ability to not live according to the kingdom of the world. So you start to do this other thing and live differently, and the enemy's losing because he knows, oh, here they are, Th these people, that they're living a kingdom of heaven life. They're doing things that they were designed to do. They're worshiping God, and they're not going to die. Even when they physically die, they're going to resurrect, and there's going to be a kingdom, and everything they're doing now is going to be that is in the name of Jesus and is done in the spirit for the name of God will last into eternity. If it's eternal, it's eternal. Yeah. So it's going to be in this kingdom so that the enemy sees you're building and you're doing what 
you were designed to do. I want to get you to, to build my kingdom and do what I want you to do and pull you down to the dirt and to death. And so at any rate, um, I think that again, and then when you conflate them, like you talked about mixing, you know, in the church, that's one of the most deadly things. When you mix this theology of it's just a prayer and it's just my positional sanctification, but not my attitude and my actions, then I receive the payment of, of, of my sin, the, the, you know, the righteousness that's declared upon me. So I know when I stand before God, I get to go through the pearly gates, but my life is not exhibiting the nature of heaven. I would say to a person uh, that if their lifestyle is not exhibiting heaven, they're not part of heaven. And when you really pledge allegiance to Jesus, you're saying, I want my behavior to be the behavior and the attitude and the actions of heaven. Yeah. So what a scary thing. Lots of people sitting in the church taking ideas, putting them together and creating a world that still maybe they're, they're, you know, they're living in a perpetual state of sin. We were, we were having this conversation the other day about, you know, people's misunderstanding of what loyalty is. I'm going to talk about this, uh, this Sunday because when sin starts to enter into the Christian's life, it's like, oh, well, well, where's the line of like, okay, if I've sinned and I sin a lot, does that mean I'm not a Christian? You know, or what? You know, it's like, how much can I sin? Well, I shouldn't have to worry about that because I'm forgiven, right? So we're going to talk about that. But, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of people who've just decided they'll take the part of what happens in the future from God and kind of just fuss a little bit with what's supposed to happen now. Maybe they're sleeping with their significant other and they're not married and maybe they're stealing or whatever. They're just kind of like greedy or just like, eh. I mean, then they start to have kids like, well, I guess we should start to, you know, maybe act a certain way because it matters, I guess. See a lot of that. So yeah, when you're on the, you're straddling the fence. Yeah, that's um, you shouldn't even be like in that area, you know. Yeah. So so in and I know we're probably close to done, but in the book of Revelation, when uh, John is writing the churches, and he talks about lukewarm. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Hot or cold, I can't remember which church it is, but you guys, you're neither hot nor cold. So I spew you out of my yeah. mouth is one of the translations. Which I actually I love the spew you out of my mouth. The, so the idea the the church that is cited there has a aqueduct system for water, oh, wow. and so Paul's playing into the analogy that um, water, if it's lukewarm during that time, was useless yeah, because it could be no yeah because it could be poisonous or whatever. So he's not saying that hot water is better than cold water. He's saying that water should have a purpose. He's saying that you were saved to do something with meaning and purpose on this earth, not to just be water and sit. You were saved to, you know, you were literally saved to heat up people's lives and give them a shower or clean something or do something with your life, or you were saved to be a refreshing drink of water and yeah. mercy. Like 
that's it, right? So don't be useless. It's amazing, right? It's yeah. like the whole salvation thing is God designed you to do something. So you place your faith in Christ, and that means an attitude that's connected to an action. They can't be separated. That's really good. Um, we got to start All wrapping right. things up. Yep. Um, so let's, I know our listeners are dying to know some of your favorites. So let's do it. I'm going to read off a couple categories. Yeah. You just tell me what your favorite is. Okay. Favorite food. The first thing that comes to mind is steak. Oh, man. I love a good steak. It's probably. How do you get yours prepared? So I get mine prepared medium rare push. Okay. Au poivre. Oh, yeah. I like the like really dark, rich pepper um, sauce. Yeah. At like all the Mitchell's restaurants have it. Yeah. And they get that nice char mm-hmm. on top. Yeah. That's the key. I'm like a rare plus. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta like, that's the key. You gotta have such a hot, I don't know what the temperature is, but they, you know, they sear those steaks. Yeah. They put them in like whatever, 800 degrees or something. Trap all the goodness. Yeah. And then they just let it cook a little bit or whatever. It's just, it's a different thing. Ice cream flavor. I'll tell you what, man. I am crazy about jenny's ice cream right now yeah oh yeah. my gosh what, i mean which one well one they, in particular they have uh well they have licorice yeah black licorice yeah, yeah. so i love black licorice and they have a black licorice um ice cream and it's amazing yeah i bet i love it they have the high five like candy bar oh yeah yeah so it has yeah. like caramel and Chocolate and I think peanut butter and yeah, I can get it's that's, amazing. That's all the things I like. They have a a strawberry buttermilk, amazing. Uh, probably really rich. It's cream. so good, man. It's so good. I I'm I'm a little bit weird about Jenny's. I'm glad. It, I'm lucky that Jenny's is at Easton, yeah. and you can't drive through. Like you have to park and walk because if I could. If it was closer and I could drive through. It'd be be a little dangerous. I'd be, I'd be going there for lunch. <laughs> I had a friend that worked at Jenny's. Yeah. And uh, she said that um, at Jenny's corporate, she said that during their experimental days, um, the main lady, is her name Jenny? Probably. I would imagine. She would walk in and be like, uh, today we're going to figure out what grass tastes like. Ice yeah. cream would be, you know, so. No, I, I, it's amazing. It's creative. What's your favorite saying? Saying? You got a saying? Ooh. That's a good question. Do you have some that come and go? I definitely have like words that get caught in the loop. My wife will be like, oh, you're so into, like, I think in this, in this podcast, I said, I think I said conflate twice. And like, I think I was on conflate a couple of years ago or whatever. And there was just a time where like, it's just funny. You get a word stuck in your head and you like, you use Every it for everything. You can use it. Well, you, and you use it where you don't need to. Yeah. Like, that's what I'll do. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. I know Kellen is, I know, I know he's not going to sleep. He's conflating the fact that he didn't rest <laughs> last night. And it's like, dude, just stop, you know? So I'll overuse words. Awesome. A, a, like saying like a motto to live by or like a, Idiom that I just say all the time. Something you say, you know, you throw it out whenever you have the, the opportunity. Mm. I don't know. Do you? I I don't. I probably do. My dad has a ton of sayings. G- give me you know, those old like farmer sayings. Give me or, one. 
I I try to get them out of my head, you know. Yeah. Because I don't want them so, to rub off on me. So one one little saying that like I'll say sometimes like around my family or whatever, like my brother Ben, is like way back in the day, my dad was a general contractor. We were in high school and stuff. We would work for him. And there was like some really, there's really funny characters in that world, right? Like these like foremen or whatever. And they they have sayings, you know? So like one time they were doing a relatively you know, bigger job and some information came in that, you know, was frustrating and they had to make some big change or whatever. And, and the, like the former was like, yeah, well, you'll have that on these big jobs. <laughs> so, so like I, 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 that is like a long term saying Had that, a lot of life to it. Yeah. And so like, I'll like, you know, you know, I will say like, you know, if something's going on, well, you'll have that. <laughs> You'll have that. And in my head, uh, you know, you'll have that on these big jobs. You know, it's like, that's part of the, that's just part of the deal. I think that's like a, you know, a, a, um, an iteration of it is what it is. Yeah. Which is a horrible saying. If you haven't watched Seinfeld's latest stand up on Netflix, he does a whole thing about it is what it is and how that is like the most wasteful set of words you could ever say you might as well just blow hot air in my face because <laughs> that has does nothing to describe anything he's hilarious oh, but that's good i'm a i'm in small group with ben yeah he has some good yeah things. You, you you got you got to say that and see if that see if that if he picks up on that all right yeah I'll say you'll have that on these big jobs say that <laughs> All right, that's all the time we have today. You have anything you want to throw out to the listeners before we? No, just uh, you know, if you're if you're watching the series and you're you're listening or you're there and you're watching and listening to this, maybe like and just stay engaged with all of it. Um, don't don't stop and uh, send questions or whatever if you want to too. You can always email me. Yeah, we need we need questions. Yeah, the Joy, rest. The rest. At, at 514 church.com. I think yeah. we, yeah, that, the rest. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. We know your time is valuable. So thanks for being a part of us. We will be here next week to cover part three of Who Are You Wearing on the Rest.